Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and twice weekly readings and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. Are you about to drop something heavy? No, not at all. I don't know. I don't, it's not. It's the opposite of. It's like the exact opposite of heavy. That's why I think it's going to be like boring. But I, I don't. I'm at a. Uh, I'm in a space. I think in my recovery or life or whatever, where I. It, and this is not. This is Richard knows this. It's strange of me because it's not stuff that I ever like bring up or anything. But I think, I, I looked around today. I went to like the. We had a a baptism at the church that I'm uh, working at right now, and so there, we had this like service at the beach, and so. I got up early, went down there, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and I just kind of looked around and there was a lot of people there that I like, you know, I've gotten close with over the last year and, um, and I just had a weird moment. It was the, it was the beach that I have, it, it's Will Rogers over in, uh, right, right next to Santa Monica where I lived for like 10 years and. I realized I'd done a, that, that was the same like exact spot I'd done an Easter service at, uh, about three years ago. And that Easter service was a big deal for me. It was like this, um, this guy who hosts this, it's kind of, it's called the sunrise Easter service. And if you're in Los Angeles, it's kind of the place to go. If you're you know going to catch a sunrise service at the beach. Um, and like, I mean, you know, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people go to this thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big deal to be asked to do that. And so I was asked to do that, um, like three years ago and, and spoke and, and did it. And it was a grueling Sunday. Like it was, it was, you're up at 4am and you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing it. And then I had to do two more services at my church afterwards, but that was kind of like this, it was this peak moment before my alcoholism really, um, crushed my career for a little bit there. And, uh, I was still drinking like crazy. It was just at a point where it was like still not, um, not completely unmanageable and it was still, you know, hideable and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just, I kind of realized I was at this space that morning in a totally different role, but like in a really good place. And I don't, I don't think I've been in a good place in a really long time. <laughs> and I just sort of looked around and I went like, Oh man, like I think, I've always heard people talk about like there's, you know, right around like the six month mark or whatever. There's sort of this moment where kind of um, stuff starts to look a little bit different. starts to feel a little bit different. It just, you know, like you're, you give so much into this sobriety thing and this, you know, this new way of life. And for a long time, for like the three years I've been trying and then the, you know, the time I put together now, it, it nothing has ever felt like you know, this is, uh, paying off dividends or it's, you know, it's really coming together. And, and, you know, I think it's not just today. I think today I was just very aware of it, but I've just noticed like things are just feeling a little bit brighter. Like, 
my life looks like a little bit more a little gratitude um, going on <laughs> yeah look, that's it maybe that's it maybe that's the, look, the crazy I, word i can't it's like we I'm, we kind of swim around that word a lot because it it's like yeah a, but i mean it, it, it's you know i think that happens with self-reflection sometimes mm, you know mm. we start reflecting on where we're at and and that moment kind of reminded you of where you were at at a different time and right. and and how your life is different today from right. how it was then and um and all the stuff you have going on i mean you have a lot of amazing right. things going on just had a, i think i think it's funny that i couldn't nail down gratitude like that you had to, <laughs> you're like i think that's called gratitude josh like i think, I think that's <laughs> you know like yeah, there's a word for that. It's called gratitude. But um, it's funny. That could be a really interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't want to go there because it's like, I'm grateful. <laughs> particularly when particularly when everything's not perfect. It seems almost like it because things are not perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about being grateful. And and and, and that life doesn't have to be great. In for or in order for us to be great, and I think that's why it was so difficult for me to pin down at first because I, it, it, I think we're all handed this version of gratitude that's to be grateful. You really have to have it all together. You have it has to be this perfect thing, and yeah, it's a real. That's a really interesting point that it being grateful is like my life is in no way, shape, or form perfect. No. And it's not at all what I would no, kind of I mean, look around and go like I really would have wished this for my 33 year old self. Like <laughs> that's not the case at all. And yet, um, yeah, you're great. I think that, yeah, you're that's great. really, and, and I, I think that's really a testament to the work I've been doing with you and, and, and even this, this podcast mm -hmm. just sort of you yeah. know, airing stuff out and, and being honest and vulnerable and stuff like you begin to, what, it, yeah, that's, that's sort of it. It's what a gift to be able to actually say thanks for what's currently going on, even if it's, yeah, flawed and weird and, and imperfect you know we were just talking unknown, right we were just unknown, talking before this yeah. about like my uh, uh, you know a situation that's more on the private side or whatever but like it's not a perfect thing like the you know where i'm at and um and all of that is not is not perfect by any means and yet i'm still f catching myself being happy which is scary <laughs> i guess it's a scary thing you know like you catch yourself going like wait a minute wait a minute you can't get i can't, can't get, I can't like, get too think, happy I can't get too happy because God forbid, you know, like I get complacent or something. Right. And I think that I deal a lot with that. I, I uh, interact a lot with guys who are in early recovery I'm in a space in my life where I just do. And I'll, I hear a lot of that going and a lot of the conversations that I have with them are, you know, how do I let go? And I'm not saying that they're asking me this. I'm saying like, I'm asking this question too, uh, to a certain level, but how do I let go of my, my cynicism, my resentment, my sort of hard, like, you know, hard nature, because that's what's keeping me alive or what's that, that's what's kept me alive. Like how, if I give up all of that, right, how, how do I keep my edge? How do I keep my, you know, uh, my tenacity up and my drive for life and all that. And I think that comes from a space of like, we're taught that you have to be this hustler to survive and you have to really like, you know, you know, work harder and, and be more shrewd and all that stuff. And it's like climbing, the truth is like, it's like clawing our way to the top some, in some way. And I have to hmm, be, hmm. I have to be, I have to be fighting for every moment that I have. And, 
to me, I think that's a really huge thing to be talking about today because we don't have to be fighting. We don't have to be fighting. And there's, because to me, I think a big thing for us is, and this is one of the things that I had to realize, is that, um, that I mean, there's essentially nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm, I'm not a broken human being, but, but, but the thing about it is, is I, I derived my identity uh, from being somebody who was on the edge because I always wanted to be unique and, and different and have a, a different approach and have, and have, it was, I was, I was really afraid of not having my voice of having my uniqueness, my identity. Uh, and, and part of that identity was my pain for me. And, and so if I let go of, of my pain, my angst, um, I was afraid that I wouldn't keep pushing myself to be better, to be better. But the thing about it is, is that comes from the, that comes from, for me, I think that comes from a place of fear. Um, and it comes from a place of not feeling like we're enough. And it comes, it, essentially, it's kind of tapping into that brokenness. Whereas if we start to look at this all on a continuum, this is just where it is as it is. And I don't, uh, and I, um, what I have found that when I let go of needing to have that edge, I start to realize that that edge was never not a part of me. That's very true. I was, oh, that's really good. It was never not a part of me. That edge has always been there. And all I had to do was to tap into my inner drive. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't a drive to overcome something. It was a drive for meaning. It was a, a push for meaning and purpose. And, and so it wasn't for me, you know, my edge was wanting to have meaning and purpose. And so when I let go of it needing to be edgy, I, I, I could just focus on meaning and purpose. I think that's the most beautiful representation of what it means to be, you know, I, I in, the, in the beginning, I had the, like a couple thoughts floating around. I want to make sure I hit them all. But yeah, I, I think that that's a perfect example of serenity, right? Or, or settled joy. Yeah, I couldn't nail that word either. At, at, at the beginning, I was like, I'm just looking for this kind of like joy that's like just settled. And I kept telling people that and they're like, that's called serenity. Like, and I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't hear that. I was like, no, that's, that's something you guys are after. I'm not after that. I'm after this other thing. And I mean, what, right. what a beautiful conversation this is, because I don't think people talk about this enough, but I think, you know, a lot of people come into the rooms thinking, and I, I find this with the creative process. People are so afraid that they let go of, of like drugs and alcohol or their pain or their, if I feel too good or if I, if my life is too good, I won't be able to tap into that darkness. Yeah. Like that darkness is somehow your, your muse or your ally that I have, or yeah. Yeah. That I, and it's something that I have to keep. I have to keep, I have to hold on to it. I have to make sure it's still there. And so if I, it, it, I I lose who I am if I'm not in my troubled life. Yeah, yeah, reason. and I think I think the truth is like if if there's any shred of truth to that, 
you've probably already lived enough troubles to like last you for the rest of your life. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there if there's we, we any can, muse in we, it, again, you've done it. It's there. Like yeah, we can we can still tap into right. that. That's still available to us. Right. You know, with the pain, uh, everybody comes with a certain amount of pain that they've uh, experienced during the course of their lifetime. And when we want to tap into it, it's still there. It's not going to go away. And in fact, what we get to do is it winds up not being just our pain, but it come, becomes the pain of humanity. It becomes a larger pain so that we can see the truth of what it means to be a human being. And that makes that makes our edge more meaningful and purposeful because we, our our work is to connect with our humanity. Mm -hmm. It's like that. I think uh, I forget who does this story. It might be Anthony DeMello, um, or someone tells a story of the salt doll, where it's this it's this salt doll that's always looking for where it belongs so it, it walks up to a group of people and says do i belong here and then they say like no and so it walks away do i belong here no it walks away do i belong here no and then it finally walks into the ocean and it starts to melt away and it starts to form you know into the ocean and it says oh i belong here and it's, it's that idea of just melting away and becoming a part of something you know that's bigger than just like do i do i fit here do i yeah i i think what you're so what what do you I love this where we're at. So what do you think, why do you think you're afraid of experiencing gratitude? It's a really good question. I think it's, yeah, if I'm being honest and this, this is true vulnerability because it's something that I haven't like, like there's vulnerable where I could stand on a stage and tell you a sad story about my life, which I've done a lot <laughs> and that's, that's vulnerable, mm -hmm. but that's, that's also, um, cashing in on the, you know, on the story. This one's vulnerable because I, I haven't, I don't have the flashy, polished words for it yet and so I don't know I don't know uh, I think the I think the real if I'm being completely real and honest and somewhat informed with it is that I think that if I'm grateful then I'm settling you know that that like oh well if you're grateful for this like what you're saying is you don't need anything else and even coming out of my mouth right now that's a really beautiful statement <laughs> you know like if you say I'm grateful then oh well I don't you mean I don't need anything more than this? You mean that I could actually be happy? And I, I, I think that um, I think there's a there's a fear to that because there's like this there are these hopes, aspirations, dreams, visions I have for myself. Um, in Buddhism, they probably call those attachments. Um, these things that I really want out of life, and and yet. I feel like, oh, I can't, can't really be happy until those things happen. Like that's when I get to be grateful. That's when I can kick my legs up and just kind of like sail into the sunset. But that's not, that's not a real thing. And I, yeah, I, I think. Um, but but it is kind of. Yeah. It is kind of. Yeah. Uh, but I think to me, I think that's what what's coming with having a clearer mind is you being able to be aware of being afraid of experiencing gra uh, gratitude because there are all these important things that I want to do and accomplish. But the thing about it is, is you were never, you were never even focused on those when you were drinking and those are starting to become a reality um, as you're sober and your mind is clearing 
and you're starting to realize how freaking important those things no, are. No, exactly. I th- and I think too, it, and it, that, and yeah, it resets. And that's yeah. that's where the motivation comes from. That's where the yeah. It's like wow, that's where the motivation comes from because there are so many things in my life that I want to accomplish. That there's a lot of a lot of stuff that has always been really important to me, and um, when we start to feel grateful, we're not settling. We're we're just becoming clearer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I th- I think there's also yeah we're becoming clearer, and that helps give perspective to life. Like I I am able to now kind of take a step back and go like wow the the things I always thought people loved about me are really not the things people are interested in. <laughs> I think that's the, we were talking about this the other day when I was saying, we were talking about meditation and oh, that's, that's a, for a lot of people, including myself, that's a difficult practice, right? It's getting into this thing that's really, really hard. And you were telling the story of like, I think it was um, a Navy SEAL or something. It was, you know, did a, did a meditation retreat or something and, uh, and came back and said, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> you know, like, and, yeah. And all of his, in all of his training to be a Navy SEAL, um, a, a, like a 20 or 30 day meditate daily meditation practice was the most difficult, challenging thing that he'd ever done. And that was, I think that was a study that was, yeah, done. no. And I, and I've been thinking about that. And I think we talked about that, uh, yesterday, or the day before I have not, I've been just ruminating on that a ton. Cause I, I think that that's really key cause it is, you know, in, in prayer and stuff you're in, at least in the, the type of prayer that I'm practicing and involved with, you're in, um, the sort of communal conversation and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful in its own way, but like the, the meditation part of things for me, I it's, it's now yielding results. I didn't expect it to, I expected it right. Like most of us do when we come to this, that I would be calm, that I would be more, you know, stable, that I would be whatever it is, the more Zen, like more, more like, you know, just, I, I think you expect results. Like you're going to the, you know, the gym or something. I'm going to be more spiritually fit. And the truth is, and this is the, the time where it actually came up. It was almost like that karate kid wax on, wax off moment where you realize you've been training for it the whole time. It was like I was at a wedding and we were talking about this and I was at a wedding and I, I was, it was the first time I was around like a, a lot of people that I knew from my sort of previous life and a lot of drinks were going around and I was standing there and I just remember how the, like it used to be that I showed up and I just thought, I got to be all about the performance. Like it's, I got to start turning on the gas from the minute I get there. I got to be the life of the party. I got to, you know, be, I got to make sure I work the room and talk to everyone. This thing, I just, I went, I stood next to my wife for most of it. And I stood there with like my little seltzer water and lime. (laughs) And I, I stood there and I just, and I told you, it was like meditating with my eyes open. I just like kind of breathed through all of the uncomfortable moments I just stayed planted and breathed and I talked with people when they talked with me. I felt, you know, no craziness to go up and be, you know, Mr. Life of the Party or hit the dance floor. Nothing. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm just, I, I'm, and then I realized people, people dug that. Like they, they, they were still, they were still excited to talk with me, to see me. I was still excited to see them. And I realized it was a really helpful thing to chip away at the, the version of myself I thought I had to keep performing to be, or I thought that I had to be so that people would engage with me and like me. And I wonder how much all of us are carrying around this version of ourselves that we prefer 
to ourselves so we think other people are going to prefer to ourselves <laughs> and how that that person whoever that is is killing you like you don't need to be carrying around that person yeah. like it's, you're it's enough. Kind, of, kind of like the, the the masks that we wear you know we take the mask off and we allow ourselves to be who we are authentic Im imperfect sometimes talkative sometimes entertaining sometimes not and everything in between you know i mean I, I think one of the reasons that you and i relate to each other so well is because we both come from a performance background you know and i remember you know playing in my band week after week and i would get off the stage we'd have i would we'd play four sets a night and um we'd have 15 minute breaks between sets and i, I was like oh shit i can do this i go out and i'm like hanging out and hanging with everybody i don't have i can i can talk to everybody but i don't have to spend much time with anybody and because i got to be back up on stage and so i i was really not committed you know there was no commitment in my engagement with people it was um it was very surfacey and i wanted when i when i left and went back up on stage i wanted to leave you with an impression of me that was um part of the mask i was wearing you know i could you know you were you were not going to see me you were just going to see that 15 minutes of the guy that was playing in the and band. that guy who's that and guy we don't know that guy that guy who is that guy who the hell <laughs> yeah, is that, that dude? guy is annoying that, that guy is, doesn't that is not the real dude you know and so when we start to feel gratitude i think we start to realize that i'm i'm kind of being me and me is kind of kind of okay yeah yeah kind of more than kind of i think yeah i i think that and i don't have to the, i don't have to pretend yeah the telltale sign for me is I used to get asked all the time, and I, I think about this uh, like now I don't I don't get asked because I'm not I'm not in that performative state. I am a little bit when we're you know we're doing like podcast stuff where I'm in front of people. You keep that because it's it's that's what it is. Like this, it would be boring if I just was <laughs> here on a podcast on a podcast medium just staring blankly at a wall. But like in my regular life, if I was ever quiet for you know a minute in a car ride or a, a you know, I'm out to dinner with a bunch of friends and I just don't speak. Someone would turn and they'd look at me and they go, are you okay? There'd always be that question. Are you, are you, and it was just like a minute. I would stop for a second because I was tired or something and people would be like, are you, are you all right? <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, I'm just tired. Like I'm not, yeah, no, I'm fine. Then you'd like turn on the gas and keep going. And I realized like now I don't get asked that question like all the time because I'm, I'm not being like the, you know, hey, how's everyone doing? <laughs> it's just sort of like, no, I the just, life of the party. I just, yeah. I'm there, I'm here, get used to it. Like, <laughs> this is, this is what and you're getting. And, and, and that, and that's enough. And, that, and yeah, and so I don't get people literally, like, when I go silent or quiet for a little bit, asking me, like, are you all right? Is everything okay? Because I am okay. Like, it, it's not, no one should have to, like, be on all the time. That's not a, no realistic expectation at all like mm -hmm. i think we i don't know where we picked that it up from it. i think maybe movies and tv give us this version of life we think we need to be experiencing but it's man i the closest relationships i have the the people i love the most including yourself are people that i could just sit with in a room and absolutely say nothing and that is that's fine like <laughs> that's that's it yeah yeah i mean people people know me pretty well because I am, I'm like really quiet. I'm, I'm a, I, I, I mean, you can listen to this podcast and 
if you're doing sessions with me, I'm always talkative and I do all that kind of stuff. But when I'm done with my day, there's like usually no TV on, no music on. It's just, I mean, I live like a monk. I mean, in a monastery, I have candles going. It's very quiet. I just kind of glide through shit, you know, and that was never me. I was like, who the hell is this dude? And uh, but it really feels comfortable because I, I'm comfortable with that happening. I'm comfortable in the silent moments, um, and I never ever used to be. And um, and I think that's part of what happens when we start to get get a little bit of clarity. Um, and I and I think it also allows us to, you know, they talk about in um, in in the recovery world, they talk about that. Um, Prayer is uh, talking to something greater than ourselves, and uh, meditation is listening uh, to something greater than ourselves. And so, it doesn't necessarily have to be in formal meditation that we can that we can listen. Our listening, I think, can come after after practice. It eventually comes just in the quieter moments. We become aware of things that are really important to us, including some of the moments of meaning and purpose. We start to be um, driven in more ways. You know, a lot of people that know me, you know, I'm coming up on 70 and I, you know, I've got a music CD coming out, a couple of books coming out, a podcast I do, a full-time job. And, and it's like, I'm a busy dude, but it really comes from me listening to what's going on in my heart. You know, like what you and I talked about, it's like there's important things I want to do, you know, and uh, I think that's where we tap into that. We tap into that heart sense of um, and then we get to, we get to be grateful because we're not always trying to prove ourselves or needing to be in the center of social activity or we, we're less focused on the doing and more focused on the being. Yeah, I think there's something in there like you're. You're less focused on the ego. You're more focused on, you know, exactly yeah, like with the goods <laughs> rather than mm-hmm. that, that false reality that we, you know, keep feeling like we need to pump into ourselves. Yeah. And I see that, I see that happening with you in spades. I mean, y- you are running around doing all this work that's important to you, but you can also see the work that you're doing that doesn't feel like it's important to you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and that's and and that's what happens to us. You know, I think uh, we start to realize, and some of the stuff that's not that important to us starts to fall away. And the the more the stuff that isn't important to us falls away, the more we focus on stuff that is important to us, and we focus on it being more sustainable. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I, the Japanese have a word for the. It's. Uh, called i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but i think it's pronounced ikigai it's spelled like i-k-a-g-i i believe um there's a book on it it's really short and great uh that you could probably read in about like 45 minutes or something but it's just it's there it's a word we don't have in english um that basically means like uh, the reason you get up in the morning like your ikigai is this energy oh, this force that. that's like it's your and it's personal to you it's not like you know uh it's not as broad as like career it's not as you know it's it could be as narrow as like that that cup of coffee you look forward to all day whatever you're like you know really lit up about or your passion is that's your key guy and i i think that takes a a clear mind to really realize what 
that is. Cause I think when we're, it's not just drugs and alcohol for me, it was definitely alcohol that just was able to cloud because I can mute out the things that really didn't matter and still do them because I wasn't, it wasn't going to upset me because I just wasn't thinking. Right. <laughs> but like, I think when you get clear, you also begin to realize like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't enjoy being in this space of my life. And I probably shouldn't be in this space of my life. If it's not giving me life, if it's sucking life from me, I can't be healthy and, and be here too. And I think that that like, it doesn't have to be alcohol again. It could be a paycheck. It could be, um, a bunch of other things that could blind us, uh, to the fact that like, Hey, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be <laughs> working so hard over there or doing this or spending all your time there with that person or this unhealthy thing. Cause that doesn't, and I think the Akiga thing is, is really in line with the values, right? It's, it's what you, it really yeah. is. It's like, what, what is important to me, you know? And that's, you know, but, but again, realizing what is important to me, at least in my experience, requires us to recognize what isn't important to me. It's as it's as important to know what is important as it is to know what isn't important. You know, and so so then so then I can focus on what's really important. It doesn't mean that I'm always going to be able to do that. Sometimes I do have to go to work and earn a paycheck to support myself. But if I'm supporting myself, I'm also supporting myself so that I can begin to grow this this piece over here that has meaning for me. And I realize that um, that the work that I'm doing that doesn't feel meaningful to me, there's a purpose for it because it's supporting me in working towards my dream. And so it feels a, le a little bit less burdensome. You know, this over here is necessary right now in order for me to grow this over here. And so it's not without purpose. And, and that way it makes it a little bit more tolerable. But if I, but if I stop growing the thing that's important to me, I am left with a thing that's not important to me and it's going to be a little bit harder to get out of bed. And that's why I always encourage people have something going on in your life. That's part of your dream, whether you're learning to play guitar or writing poetry, people that do work with me, I'm always encouraging them. Your your day to day life that might not feel purposeful is going to feel a lot more purposeful when you go home at night and you have this over here I'm working in. It doesn't mean that this over here that I'm working at that's part of my dream is going to sustain me. Right, right. It doesn't mean yeah. that. It just means that it just means that my whole being isn't dependent on this thing right. that doesn't give me. Meaning. That's right. That's right. And it, it yeah because if it's and not giving you meaning that's a huge. Right. And that's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And I because it, it is really easy for us to kind of take a look at our lives and go, it feels really meaningless. Mm -hmm. um, but I, and I, there, think, I don't think any I, I think, yeah, too, if you're everybody has meaningless. if you're in the, everybody has a certain degree of something that feels meaningless. Yeah. But it's our responsibility to create something that feels a little bit more meaningful. And you're you're so right, because if you don't have that meaningful piece, then the, the life that you're living is going to be something that you, you have to escape from. Like, and I think that that's it, the, the sad part about that is like you, you, you actually do need to escape from it, but the things that you can reach for to hit that eject button are often the worst thing <laughs> in the world. And I think that's, that's unfortunately like how a lot of people fall into, you know, alcoholism and drugs and alcohol, like, because it's such an eject button from, 
the life with no meaning, right? Like, I, I, okay, for, you know, this amount of time when I'm, when I'm loaded and feeling whatever, I don't have to reckon with the fact that I'm not, that I don't have something meaningful in my life, you know? Um, I, I, yeah, there's a kid in uh, one of the, the detoxes that I, that I, that I went to, which, you know, yep. I had to go to a couple of those bad boys. Um, but this kid was, uh, was, was in pretty bad shape. Like he, he had multiple, you know, addictions when he came in and I say a kid cause he must've been 19, maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's tough to tell, but, uh, you know, when he came in, he just drove me nuts cause it's, you're in close quarters with these people and you have to like, you have to deal with them, you know, through the night and everything. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like this, this kid's driving me nuts. And so I totally wrote him off as like, just like whatever. And he said something so profound one time that I had to just like stop and go like, Whoa, wait a minute, where'd you come from? And we actually became pretty close after that. He, he said, he like kind of broke down a little bit and his eyes were tearing up and he was talking about his life and he's just talking. And it's, you know, it's, this is a, a kid and it, he's just sharing about how he didn't feel like he had any meaning and it was it, 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 that's pretty much where the story broke down to and he said about uh this one drug that he was using in particular he said like i was using it to escape and he's like if there's one thing i've learned through all this is if you use anything to escape it's going to destroy you and i it's just it was almost like he just said that and like the room felt quiet for a second i don't remember if it really did or if it's just my, my memory of it but i felt quiet and i just went wow if you use anything to escape, it's going to destroy you. And that really, that's, I was like, wow. That's man. huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, dang. I think, you know, because again, it's our work is, is I, am I running away from life or am I running toward, toward life? Because if I'm running away, if I'm running a, away from life, it, it's probably not going to get better. Um, if I've got to figure out what I'm running towards. Where, where am I running to? 